And if you're worried about not being able to go to a celebration that might go until 10:15 at night for people that are close to you because it's going to affect your bedtime, but yet you've slept over seven hours every other night that week, we got to lighten up. We got to live our lives and recognize that living life is actually the purpose of life. And these routines and practices are there to make sure that we are in a place to do these things so that we can have these amazing experiences. We can connect with other people. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always joined by Ben Bergeron. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you so much as always for joining us. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great, Patrick, thank you. We are recording this obviously prior to, but this episode is gonna come out during the uh, CrossFit Games. And so can you please tell me what the first couple of workouts are? <laughs> can you- Helen, a version of Helen. That's true, actually. We do know that, that just came what, out. There we go. Um, and so uh, I wish the future Ben and the future Cole all the best uh, this week as you guys tackle the CrossFit Games. This week though, what we've got in this episode, we've got listener questions about whether recovery drinks are necessary, the difference between complaining and telling people what's up, and any recommendations we may have for parenting books. Our workout this week is going to be a conversation about what to do when people think that chasing excellence is a selfish endeavor. And to celebrate the, the CrossFit Games, we are going to run down your top 10 favorite games events, at least so far. And <laughs> we can maybe revisit after this year's games to see if any events uh, got Hopefully on the list. Hopefully we can. Hopefully there's someone that makes the list. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Our warm up. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect with each other and ourselves, and, uh, and how we recover. First question first, as always, is in our move category, and this is from Matt's. He asks or says, how fun would it be to have a games event called the sprint squat or the squat sprint? The athletes do 50 to 100 air squats and then do a sprint at max 100 yards. This would be to replace the classic and boring shuttle sprint and have and the bad interval workouts from earlier years. Divide the athletes into heat uh, with, the two, uh, with the two best advancing to the next round. I think it'd create a lot of fatigue and the test would be to see who handles the squat volume the best. What are your thoughts? I just thought this was a fun games focused, yeah. not super serious, but fun question. Creating games events is fun. Um, I, I, I think it's cool that he's, uh, Matt's has thought about this, um, but I think Matt's is missing a few things that are kind of fundamental for a test. And that is, what is it that we're trying to test in this event? Um, and Matt's is saying that it sounds like he's saying is how they handle squat volume. Um, Cool. Th then, he, but I think we have to recognize that that the sprint is unnecessary, right? It's mm. a, it's because you, what you need to be able to do is take the movements, take the standard deviation off the mean for each of those two movements, and in the hundred squats, I think it's what he suggested, right? Hundred squats, yeah, fifty to hundred squats. Yep. Okay. So in a hundred squats, the first to the last place person will be, and what actually even more important is you take the average time and then the first person, last person differences between that and the average. And it will be somewhere, let's just pick a number, somewhere around 10, 12, maybe 15 seconds. Okay, that there's that's something. But then what is the difference going to be from the first to last person in terms of the run at the end? And the difference is going to be maybe two seconds. So the run is arbitrary. It's, it's a non-factor. It's basically just a sprint to the, it just gets to the finish line. So a better test might be a um, two rep thruster at 155 pounds sprint to the end, because then we'd be testing if it's going to be a sprint, if we're going to call it sprint, then it's truly a sprint and the sprint matters. But if we're going to say, no, let's see how they handle squat volume. Cool. Take out the sprint and then just call it what it is. It's a squat volume test, but Matt's two athletes advance trouble there is you're going to have some athletes doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of squats while other athletes just do a hundred. That's not really a fair test for them going forward where I've now done a thousand air squats and my competitors have done a hundred. You're actually punishing the person that you can do those tests, 
but they have to be like this skill medley where it doesn't beat the athletes up, which they did Got last it. year. If you're going to advance, it can't be a brutal test that's going to destroy the athletes for the rest of the weekend, punishing those that actually do well. Then you have to actually create wild cards. You have to pe- pick people that do well overall, but don't do well in their heats because maybe they're an unfair heat and then they go on as well. So just some other factors to take into consideration as we're building out hypothetical games workouts. Because you are not as of yet in charge of these, though, you know. And we'll hopefully never am. Really? That's a whole oh, other I do conversation. Not, no, I do not. I ah. love programming. I do not like running events. Okay. But if you were just to say, hey, Ben, we want you to program the games, would that be like, would yeah, you be it, interested no, in No, I wouldn't be because that's what people think. They think it's a programming thing. Yeah. It's a logistical thing. It's a logistical You're figuring out oh, logistics. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's start. Yeah. When you figure out the games, you start with a timeline. Yeah. You don't figure out, you don't start with events. You have to start with a timeline and then you work backwards from there. It's, and I don't like logistics. <laughs> That's a great point. You're right. It's, it's, everybody focuses on the sexy, fun programming, but it's like, it's, there's 7,000 constraints. It's way more fun to sit on the sidelines and point <laughs> fingers and hooper and holler and go, this one was amazing. And then it is actually, All right, we'll keep actually doing have some thing. level of responsibility. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next question is from Laurel. It's in our think category. She says, I attend CrossFit classes six times a week and uh, six times a week and RX about half the workouts. I also donate blood every eight weeks. I'll donate shortly after the 6 a.m. class and can her. make it uh, to the morning class the next day. I take it easy and throttle down accordingly. I always bring it up with my coach before the class and I'm normally met with, I got it. I'll keep an eye on you in case you're lo- you look like you're in any trouble. This last time though, it was a coach I normally don't have and their response was, stop complaining. Why even come if you're not feeling up to it? I was taken aback by this response and it made me start to wonder, when is it complaining versus informing a coach about your physical status? Uh, Laurel, you are not complaining. You are informing your coach about your physical status and your coach um, should not be a coach. Yep. Period. That's like going up to your coach to be like, I have hypertension. You know, I, you know, said another way easily is I go unconscious when I work out too hard. Like whatever it might be like, and yeah. your coach being like, stop complaining, just buckled. That's ridiculous. That should not be a coach. Period. So don't worry. You're not complaining. So don't even worry about that. Do you feel like people might, uh, Laurel's situation might be a little different, but like if my elbow's a little hurt or my knee's feeling funky or like I'm just not feeling it, do I still bring that up to coach and say, hey coach, just so you know, or is there a degree to which it's like, if you showed up, you're here to do the work. And if you, you know, whatever, like, is there a, a tipping balance between like just telling your coach random things that aren't very helpful and actually informing them something that can be useful? We should be training at our psychological and physical tolerances at our threshold. That threshold is going to move every single day. A really good coach should know where that threshold is and they should want as many data points as possible. This is the reason professional coaches use as like data analytics is because they can get as much as they possibly can. Where's my athlete's recovery? Where's their mindset? What was their sleep like? What is their um, um, eagerness to train? Where's their HRV? Like the more data points, the better for a good coach because they can then alter and change that workout to be more appropriate for that athlete for that particular day. There's a, I came across this great saying, I don't know if I've shared it here um, before, but um, which is the only sensible person that I've ever met is my tailor. Yeah, I think you did. I think you have something to finish the thought. Yeah, I love this because- My tailor takes my measurements anew every single time I see them because they don't expect me to be the same person I was last time they saw them. This is like this is like a huge, huge part of being a coach is figure out where the athlete is right now and what's the best for thing for them right now. Got it. And the goal then so the goal then like secondarily is not go bust it up and try as hard as you can. And if you're not on the floor afterwards, if you're not ready to give 110%, and we fell on this trap. We used to have a sign. We were laughing about this before. When we first opened up, we had a sign outside of on the, the door to our gym that read, I don't know if it said warning, but it's essentially that. Like, if you're not ready to give 100% when you walk through these doors, turn around and don't enter. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. That's crazy. But- Back in that, back in the day, the, the the way that this community arose, what we were battling against was complacency. What we were battling against was 
20 minutes on elliptical three times a week is the path to fitness. So we had to do those things. We had to be abrasive. We had to be aggressive. We had to come in and kind of like push some people out of the way and go, listen, guys, and shake them. Like, it is not about reading People magazine on a recumbent bike. That is not how you get there. But to think that that's still the battle we're facing with the majority of our clients as a coach is just uneducated. Because most of our people that are walking through the doors, particularly Laurel, who's going there six days a week, and you don't recognize that and realize that this person is super motivated and they're RXing half the workouts to go like, you got to, if you're not ready to give 110%, like why are you even here? Is just, you're feeding your own ego really at the detriment of your clients. Next question is from Kelly in our eat category. Do I need a recovery drink or is nutrition enough? I do CrossFit three days a week and run two, two to three days a week. I'm not a competitive athlete. I exercise for overall health and happiness. I'm a pacer athlete, not a sprinter or wildly intense. If uh, if a recovery drink is essential, which do you recommend? I, I love how our people like can Id- identify themselves and they give themselves labels. I am a pacer, not a sprinter. <laughs> like I am a I am a not a competitive athlete, but I mm. take this. But it means yep. a lot. Like I love like yep. how they can do that. Um, the answer is no. A recovery drink is not necessary, particularly if your nutrition is good. Where it comes in is if you are training to the point where, you know, the, the saying is um, intake levels to that which support exercise, but not body fat. That's what really matters. So if you're getting enough fuel, I'll call it like fuel through whole foods. And honestly, there's a hydration aspect of that as well. Uh, you don't need to quote, supplement or take any sort of post or pre-exercise stuff. It comes into play when your nutrition is not up to speed. Either you're not getting enough carbs, you're not getting enough protein, you're not getting enough healthy fats. That's where fish oil and omegas, thing like that come in. And or you're not getting enough hydration or uh, electrolytes, aka uh, really sodium is the biggest one, but magnesium, um, potassium as well. If those things aren't in place, then yes, you can add those things in. But are they a necessity? Definitely not. Recover question from Julia. Yoga, mobility, and stretching are all three separate categories. Can you talk about the difference if we need all three and how to choose which one to focus on? Okay, let's do some... Uh, uh, we're not going to put this in a textbook, but let's mm-hmm. just put some like... Uh, macro def, like um, words yep. to what these things are. So some people can kind of start like, go, okay, I can separate these now. Let's start with uh, the one that most people are most used to, which is stretching. Mm-hmm. Um, stretching can take two forms. It can be static or dynamic. Stretching is bringing your muscles through a full range of motion. If you're doing it dynamically, it means that you're doing it through movement, mostly like just constant movement. Think like arm swings, leg swings, a lot of classes now do this with like walking, you know, like we're doing walking quad walk. We'll do walking knuckle drags. We'll do side lunge across the gym. That's just a active form of that. Static stretching is you're going to do that, but you're going to hold the end range of motion uh, for uh, a set period of time. And that could be 10 seconds, 20 seconds, or up to five minutes or longer, really. Um, here's a quick little thing about static stretching. I'm sorry about stretching in general. The sports community has kind of shunned the um, static stretching before activity and really promoted active stretching. And that's where you'll see a lot more of like, if you go to a football game, you'll see the football players mostly doing more active stuff. I don't want to diminish the, the efficacy of, or the effectiveness of static stretching, particularly for if you have trouble owning and ranges of motion. Static stretching will do, a, my, my opinion, a better job of getting you to those end ranges of motion than dynamic will. Mm-hmm. Dot, dot, dot. If you have end ranges of motion, dynamic stretching is more beneficial. And actually static stretching has been shown to diminish performance before an activity. But let's understand that. If you're going to do uh, a set of squat cleans, uh, yes, if you have no mobility limitations, let's do some dynamic stuff. Let's get you ready for that explosive movement. Or if you're going to sprint 100 yards, yeah, let's do some more like tuck jumps and like things like that. But if you 
can't get into a below parallel position to say like don't static stretch to get in that below position and just start going through dynamic range of motion is not what we're looking for. So, okay, I digress and maybe possibly a tangent there. Um, that's stretching. Uh, mobility is when you start to not necessarily just the, the ability to hold on to end range of motion, but now like the quality of your tissue is being taken place. And usually this takes the form of, uh, you know, the stuff that Kay Star, uh, Kelly Starrett has really promoted, things like using um, self-myofascial release. And all that means is um, kind of like working through the gunks of like the tissue quality with a lacrosse ball, a full roller, um, using a band that might help you um, give your body not that not to resist against it, but bands are really nice because it gives your body a signal like, I'm in a safe environment. This is not going to because it gives. There is a ton of end range of motion that comes from that type of work, which is really cool. If you have a tight adductor, a tight hip flexor, you can stretch it till the end of time. But what might end up happening is you're only stretching the things around the the area that actually needs the trauma or the tight area. You need to target that to really make tight, uh, significant changes. And the way you can do that is by getting there and just leave it like uh, uh, pieces of Velcro, kind of Velcro together. And you starting to work that Velcro apart to the point where it re actually does release. You don't get that through stretching. In fact, stretching can actually make it, it's weird, but it can make the tight area tighter while just loosening the things around it. So in that case, mobility work has a big, big place in what we're trying to do. I also believe in stretching. I also believe in yoga. Yoga means union. Yoga has very little to do with this calisthenics version that we've created in the West. Now, that's why I think people talk about yoga here. That's what in this situation, in this question, that's what we're talking about. But really... Yoga is a ability to become one with your mind, body, and spirit along with the universe and find harmony in your life. That's what yoga actually is. And one of the ways that they, they've done that is through breath practice and then it became breath practice through movements. Well, what we've popularized here in the West is just the movements and then add in some breath stuff. So again, maybe a tangent, maybe not, but... Uh, to pull it back to the what this is, yoga can take a whole bunch of different forms from uh, Bikram to Hatha to um, other forms of power to, I'm blanking on the type that I do, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, I wasn't yin yoga. Yin. yin, thank you. Yeah, yeah yin yeah. and vinyasa. But yin is, I like the yin yoga, honestly, the best because I think it is the yin to the yang of what we do in CrossFit. Um, CrossFit's very um, aggressive. It's very powerful. Um, and it's intense, uh, and I'm getting plenty of muscular strain and development through that. I don't need that through my other practice. I would much rather do it through a form of stretching, which is the yin yoga, which is holding poses for two to five minutes, uh, very little, le a lot less on the balance and strength side. So I believe that they're all beneficial and which ones you do should be the ones that you are going to do. That's honestly the real answer is if you're going to, if you find the the structure of a yoga class yoga class or practice to be the most beneficial for you awesome if you find the most solace in body work you know mobility uh or whether it's on yourself or somebody else um or if you just like the 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 feeling of stretching it's really the one that you feel like you're gonna get the most out of got it okay that was awesome next question last question in our warm-up in our connect bucket I was wondering if you guys had any book recommendations on parenting. I found all your previous recommendations on books to be life-changing and seeing relationships are one of the pillars of Chasing Excellence. I was wondering if you had any recommendations on parenting. I can't think of a more important relationship than with your own children and family. Yeah. Do you have one? I'll let you go first if you have one. I, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I have not had any luck reading uh, proper parenting books. I've kind of dipped into one or two, but none... None that stuck. And I think mostly because I recognize, again, in the very limited experience that I have, I recognize really quickly that all parenting books are really books about being a better parent, if that makes sense. In other words, they're books about being a better person. 
And when you're a better person, you will become, you will be a better parent. And so I went, and again, it might just be my own bias look at it. But once I recognized that, I sort of stopped thinking about parenting books and I just kind of went back to my bookshelf, yeah. <laughs> which is covered with the books about how to be a better person. And so when I think about the this particular question, the, what, and I was looking at my bookshelf before, the ones I gravitated towards that I feel like if you read them through the lens of parenting would be would be really uh, valuable are a couple of uh, Ryan Holiday's books. Specifically, Stillness is the Key and Ego is the Enemy are the two that kind of popped in my head first. And I feel like, again, if you if you read a book with a, with a prism or a perspective in mind, you will likely see it in ways that if you didn't have that perspective or, or paradigm, you might not see it. And so for me, uh, Ryan's books, the the Stoicism books are really, really strong books about parenting. Yeah. And he actually just uh, came I, out, which is funny. He actually just came out with a book called The Daily Dad, which I have not read. Um, but but funny enough, actually, and it just popped in my head. So I, sh I should pick that up. And, and I, I will in advance recommend that because I tend to love everything he does. I really agree with the point that when you read a book, you read it through the prism of the lens of which you're looking at it through, yep. right? So it's... Amazing when I, you know, as a young dad, I read all of these books as that, as parenting. And when I'm starting a business, I read them as an entrepreneur. And when I read them as uh, a coach, I read them, you know, it's like it's the same yeah. book resonates incredibly, uh, in, in incredibly unique ways. And I will give a specific recommendation, a book that uh, I think is terrific for parenting. And it uh, is, I'm, I'm probably not going to get the title exactly correct, but Hunt, gather, parent. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, close. Keep talking. I'll, I'll confirm it. It's it's. I, I'm a huge fan of evolutionary biology. I just think that yep. like the way that we have it's been built into us. There's a reason that golden retrievers act the way golden retrievers do, and pit bulls act the way pit bulls do. It's because for like hundreds of like a long, long time, I mean, they've been bred to act that way. Well, that's the way we are as human beings as well. It's like we mm -hmm. can't discount what's happened for before we were born and like we're this kind of like pattern that we have been born with. And what we're doing is we're taking kind of like this, mo what we default to do is take this modern society and discount all of the lessons and all these things that have worked for hundreds of thousands of years. And essentially the author travels to some of these tribes and it's it's fascinating mm -hmm. the, the way that the the children act and the differences in the ways that we myself and my wife parent and the way that these kids that are growing up in these other countries and uh societies are raised and uh their way is really pretty amazing mm. uh, uh, just to just to confirm yep. it is hunt gather parent what ancient cultures can teach us about the lost art of raising happy, helpful little humans? Yeah, it's really cool. I I think that everybody, every parent in our community would really get a kick out of that book. Yeah, I, I will definitely pick it up. Um, and it makes me think. It makes me think of something you talked about maybe a couple months ago now, uh, after your trip from Sweden, when you when you were just kind of recognizing that the, that snacking looks remarkably different in one place. It just it just strikes me as that again maybe us here in America, we could probably do a better job of like picking our head up and looking at what other people, what other cultures are doing and seeing if any of those things make more sense than maybe the default state of how we parent in America in, you know, 2023. Because every little pocket, every culture, I think has created a, a sort of a, a system or has a status quo that those folks probably don't even recognize is like, oh, we make choices and these are what those choices look like in the same way that we make choices here. And just to be able to pick your head up and say, oh, I, I want to like just to remind ourselves that, oh, it doesn't have to be this way. Other people do it differently. Does that make more sense than what we do? And or does it not make more sense than we do? Like, And it just forces us to ask the question and to shake ourselves out of the default mode of like, this is just how people parent here. Yeah. Uh, that goes right back to our, you know, our three pillars, our framework for the way that we want to navigate life, which is, do we have that level of awareness and really it's self-awareness that maybe my way isn't the best way. Yeah. Just because this is the way I was raised and or because I believe that this is the best method to raise and or 
It's just my default programming, which is what most people are doing. They're not even going like this way I was raised. So I'm going to yeah. raise my kids this way, or I'm thinking about it. And this, it's just the default. And what we not do, we talk about awareness. That's the number one thing is can we pop out of the default programming? And then we have that intention of, I'm going to try to raise my kids this way. And then from there, you take that action. So awareness, intention, action. And we are just the sum of our habits. And those habits started really, really young. And we have been programmed in. That's what all of uh, uh, being a toddler and uh, a youth and adolescent is about, is instilling the programming. Yep. Well, that programming is not your choice. That's built, put into you by your peers, by society, and your parents. And if you want to operate at the highest level, I'm speaking to myself, if I want to operate at the highest level, I need to have that awareness. Like this is this is just the programming I'm running on. Can, can I approach this with no biases? Like just no, no preconceived of, this is right. This is wrong. Just look at it all on a flat surface and then pick and choose based off of what I think going forward is the best approach, not what I've done in the past. Zero cost basing accounting. So, not what we spent last year, not yep. how much, but going forward, what's the best thing that we can do going forward? And if we can just have that level of self awareness that maybe this isn't serving me and then the courage to change along the way. That to me is what we should bring to all aspects of what we're doing. Thank you everybody out there for sending in your questions. If you want to get one in the queue for a future episode, find me on Instagram, PS Cummings, drop me a DM. I'll get it into our queue. Ben and I are going to be back in just a minute with a question from Kyle about uh, why or how or what to do when people uh, claim that chasing excellence is a selfish endeavor. Stay tuned. We are brought to you this week by Life Force. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about how Life Force can help you take control of your health and optimize your performance. Are you tired of feeling like you've been coasting through life? You want to take control of your health and well-being? Look no further than Life Force, the health optimization company that gives you the tools and support you need to reach your full potential. With Life Force, you'll have access to their state-of-the-art diagnostic testing, functional medicine doctors, certified health coaches, and advanced nutraceutical and hormone therapies. They'll help you understand your body like never before, so you can optimize your mental and physical performance. Unlike traditional healthcare systems, Life Force takes a proactive approach to your health and well-being. Their diagnostic measures things that your typical primary care doctor may not order as a part of your regular blood work. They help you identify what's optimal for performance and offer a single solution combining everything you need to understand your body and optimize your life. LifeForce members experience a wide range of benefits, including better energy, more focus, greater strength, improved longevity, deeper sleep, healthier aging, less body fat, better recovery, and hormone balance. In fact, 85% of LifeForce members report improved quality of life within their first three months of membership. So don't settle for average. Take control of your health with Life Force. Start your membership today and receive $200 off by tapping on the link in the show notes or head to mylifeforce.com to learn more. We are brought to you this week with support from Momentus. Head to livemomentus.com and use the code EXCELLENCE to get yourself 20% off your first order of their upgraded supplements. There's a really good chance if you or following the CrossFit Games at all, or CrossFit in general, that you have heard and seen Momentus. They are the official sports nutrition partner of CrossFit, and we will hear a lot more about them, I am sure. The reason being, the science behind their products is second to none. For example, the ingredients in their sleep pack will help you get to sleep, stay asleep, and have the highest quality sleep possible. It features a 30-day supply of easy-to-use tearaway packs featuring three natural ingredients that prime you for a good night's rest, and we know how important that is. Each pack comes with full servings of magnesium, L-threonate, apigenin, and L-theanine, and I have no idea if I pronounced any of those correctly, so apologies to smart people out there if I did not. These ingredients, though, they provide unique effects that will help you fall asleep faster, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. 
designed by the world's best experts, used by the world's best teams and athletes. They are made for all of us. Head to livemomentous.com and use the code excellence for 20% off your first order. Again, that's livemomentous.com, M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S. Use the code excellence. Do not settle for subpar supplements. Choose Momentous. Take your performance to the next level. All right, we are back. This question is from Kyle. He says, what do I do when chasing excellence looks selfish to others? During the last four years, thanks to your podcast, I've been uh, seeking to chase excellence. I try to be intentional about aspects of my life that are, that are within my control. However, those around me seem to think that my chasing is just a series of selfish decisions. When prioritizing my hour of gym time, early bedtime, and being intentional about who I surround myself with, those close to me, my wife, family, and friends, say that these actions come across as selfish. While I do still make time for my family and friends, the conflict always seems to arise again when they plan something that conflicts with my gym or sleep time. How can I maintain the chase while, uh, while staying connected with those who don't understand what I'm doing? That's a challenge, right? Yeah. But something that we can certainly navigate. I would start, is it Ryan? Uh, Kyle. Kyle, sorry. My brother's name is Kyle. <laughs> Whenever I hear Kyle, I think of George Carlin. Have you seen this the, the name thing? Have you ever yeah, seen George uh, Carlin? No, I know who George so. Carlin is. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So those that anybody that's under the age of thirty doesn't know who George Carlin is. He was a, <laughs> he was a comedian, particularly in the eighties. He was this angry old white guy, um, and he's like, "Where you know what's with the names these days? You know these oh, that's right, ty- I do these that. Tyler's and Tucker's and <laughs> Todd." Let me tell you something. Back in my day, we didn't have Tyler, Tucker, and Todd. We had Bobby and Johnny and Jimmy and Donnie. And let me tell you something. Bobby, Donnie, and Jimmy would kick the crap out of Tucker, Tyler, and their best friend, Kyle. <laughs> I do remember that to, bit. I, well, my brother's name is Kyle, so we used to say it to him all the time. When I, I just love Carlin is hilarious if folks yeah. out there actually have never listened to him. He's great. It, uh, a really cool skit he has is baseball versus foot, baseball versus football. Mm-hmm. It just, it's 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 like a very poet. It's a really neat thing. Google George Carlin baseball versus football. So okay, okay, Kyle. Uh, when it, when <laughs> chasing excellence looks selfish, it can be, and it should be, but not to the point where it affects the people close to you. Mm-hmm. Dot dot dot. If it does. We have to understand one of two things. I hope you pull me back to these things. Yep. Are these the right people or are you sharing the vision? Mm. Okay. So let's just start off with kind of the five factors and the approach. The five factors are how you eat, sleep, move, think, and uh, connect with other people, yourself and nature and so on. If you have a certain routine. We are the sum of our habits and routines are the things that allow us to do these things on a much, on a more subconscious level so they don't take as much energy and effort. That's a really good thing. But we also have to recognize that there's no such thing as perfection. And the ultimate goal here is actually to be able to fill your cup up so much to the point where you can serve others. We're trying to create really strong mentally and physically formidable human beings that can ultimately use that full cup to pour into other people. If we are such slaves to our routine that we're missing the actual point of what we're trying to do, which is to have impact and affect other people, well, then we're not really accomplishing what we're trying to do it's essentially the people that have like spiritual egos. They meditate or read scripture or do whatever they do because they like the idea of the way that makes them feel, not actually because it serves them in the real world. We want to be able to take this practice so we can bring it to those other people. And if those people are questioning our motives on why we're doing this, we're not doing it. Like that's really, we're not doing it. We haven't, we think we are, but you're not connecting with those people. You don't have the right 
mindset in terms of the way you're approaching these things. You are actually trying to, you have too much of an ego. And when you come and try to communicate with these people, you're in defense mode. Now, what we need to be able to do is recognize and have the flexibility that if we have even 80%, like our routine should not be, this should not be an everyday thing. It doesn't need to be an everyday thing. But if we are doing some level of these things most of the time, and we're able to hold on to that practice for 80% of the time, we're going to be so, so excited with where we end up. There's no such thing as perfection. And if you're worried about not being able to go to a celebration that might go until 10, 15 at night for people that are close to you because it's going to affect your bedtime, but yet you've slept over seven hours every other night that week, we got to lighten up. We got to live our lives and recognize that Living life is actually the purpose of life. And these routines and practices are there to make sure that we are in a place to do these things so that we can have these amazing experiences. We can connect with other people. Similar to the, the, the workout time or whatever it might be in these other five factors, we got to make mm-hmm. sure that we are, are, are not allowing the, the, the discipline to actually affect the, the aspect of living our lives to the fullest. Our lives are the sum of our experiences. In, in the journey of getting to a fulfilled life, part of the journey is discipline. Discipline creates freedom, 100%. So what we need to be able to do is get to that place where we are living a disciplined life and then it's not discipline being the greatest virtue and value, it's freedom. Freedom to and freedom from. And that's freedom to stay out till 10, 15 at night. Freedom to skip a workout. Freedom to go to my kids, um, whatever, sports game, social event, field trip, and miss my workout. That's what we ultimately want to be able to do. It's only because we've been disciplined up until now that we can't actually do that. In the beginning, I would mean the beginning of this journey towards a a life of chasing excellence, we need to edge a little bit more towards the discipline side. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier in this conversation. When CrossFit first came in, we had to double down on the, the grit, the grind, the hard work and the intensity. And because that's not what, that's not what training looked like at the time. It looked like elliptical and or come bikes with a magazine. So we'd go, no, 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 it's this. Well, now that we have this, let's not continue out of that path to the detriment of ourselves. Let's understand that we want to reevaluate the value set and the ultimate goal of what we're trying to accomplish. So how do we do that? The number one thing we want to be able to do is to create an environment which makes it easy to eat, sleep, train, think, and connect in a meaningful way. So if you are sharing the why, which is start with why, and sharing the vision of what you're trying to create on a continuous and constant basis with those that are close to you, that's incredibly important. It's one of the things that I've realized I have not done as good a job as I need to do in in my in my business is the vision is in my head and it's so passionate and it's so real and it's so concrete and it's so exciting that I feel like I'm just talking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm sharing with this person here and that person there. By the time I get back to the original person, it's been weeks, months, or quarters before I even shared it with them. Yeah. So we never are going to be able to share the vision and the why enough. So that's why it looks selfish to those on the outside because they don't understand the actual purpose of this. And perhaps we're too regimented into this and not giving a little bit of that 20% that should fall away. Having said that, if we are truly, and I would ask everyone to like have a real deep conversation with themselves, Am I sharing this vision and the why, the values of what you believe in? 
to the point where it's nauseating to yourself and they're still not supportive, we've got to work on cleaning up the environment. Mm -hmm. In that case, you have the wrong people on the boat. And this is one of those things that's a really challenging thing, but it's the same thing in your business. It's the same thing in your family. Now, that's like whether it's, it's really hard. Friends, family, business, it doesn't matter. We need to surround ourselves that speak the same truths. Now, that's not, I don't want to get, that's not get, let's get a bunch of group thick. That's not like if you, I want, I want people to challenge, like I will add, give new insights and be creative thinkers and not just to go, yes, and yes, and yes. But at a fundamental level, if they don't believe in health, wellness, and the pursuit of excellence, and that's something that you've centered your life around, we're not going to be able to get to where we want to be, which is to fill life. You're going to be at constant conflict, and you're going to be trying to convince a vegan that you are that you're worthy in going on your hunting trips. That's not that's not the fight we want to have. What we want to do is you believe hunting is actually the most kind thing you can do to the animal kingdom because your single arrow provides is killing one heartbeat that provides you for six months of food as opposed to plowing a field that kills every single heartbeat in acres and acres and acres that only supplies a few potatoes, corn, soy, whatever it might be. So that's this isn't a rant against, but I could, I could go the opposite way and talk about that. But it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of values. So it's the same thing. Like It's not a matter of like, no, we should be traveling and having margaritas on the beach and, you know, um, working with psychedelics to expand our mind. That's that's a value set versus, no, we should be regimented. We should be routine. We should go to the gym and we should only have kale and grass-fed salmon. Like, not right or wrong, but understanding your value set and then surrounding yourself with people with the same values is incredibly important to this pursuit of chasing excellence. And if we do this in the right way, the selfishness thing goes away. Did you say grass-fed salmon to be funny or did was that just uh, a weird no. slip of the tongue? That's a weird slip of the tongue, yeah. <laughs> yeah if I you start calling me out on all my mistakes, we're never going to get through it this podcast. <laughs> you said something at the top of that uh, of that answer that I think is really important. And I don't know if we've ever really uh, expressed it as well as you did. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you said the, the point of filling our own cup is so that we can give to other people. It's not to fill our own cup so that we can get a bigger cup or so that we can win at who fills the cup the fastest. And I think we I think we miss that sometimes. I think yeah. we live in a in an era of like hustle culture and I think we 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 forget sometimes that the that this that we're talking about that we talk about every every single week that we here are talking about and trying to play an infinite game. But if we forget that and we don't bring that to our decisions and we don't bring this, bring that to these conflicts that Kyle is sort of uh, expressing, we have a, we can kind of default to thinking or acting as though we're playing a finite game, which is a game that we are playing to win. Whereas if an infinite game is is a game we play for the sake of continuing to play that game, and health is an infinite game, and I, we I think we have to be careful. And maybe this is this is part of like our own your and I evolution of what chasing excellence means because maybe we were more finite five or six years ago when we had this convert when we first had started having this conversation versus where we've uh, evolved it to, and so maybe we've got to own a little bit of that in terms of just how we talk about these things and how we express them. But you don't win at health. You the way you win at health is that you use your health to do good, to help others, to impact others, to have. To, to chase your own dreams, right? To, to live with your heart on fire. It's not, Kyle's not going to win health. He's not going to win by getting to bed on time one more time if it's at the sacrifice of something else. As you said, it's probably actually the reverse. He's actually losing something. And so again, I, ju I just think about that because I think it's easy to think uh, or easy to get trapped into the mentality of, I do this because I'm trying to win at something without ever questioning yeah. what does winning look like? Yeah, I love that. That's a, it's a really good thing for us to highlight and for us to take some level of ownership on because what we started this conversation out with was closer to the finite game of winning. 
It was chase excellence more for the achievement side of things. Like let's be, let's truly be excellent in business, right? Let's be excellent in our fitness. Um, And what we've evolved this conversation over the last number of years is this realization that we are in, uh, there is no scorecard. And if there is one, it's arbitrary because anybody can pick out any numbers that they want to compare with, right? To your point, you can't win in health. You can't win in life. And this is the thing that we try to do is go, well, Elon Musk is winning. Well, by what scorecard? And if you start to change the scorecard, all of a sudden you go, oh no, uh, David Goggins is winning. And you change the scorecard and you go, oh, nope, that monk is winning. And you go, oh, nope. Like, so there is no winning life. And when you start to do that, you realize that the, like, let's pop it to the big question that has no answer, but what are we here to do? Mm-hmm. All right, what is the meaning of life? And there is no real answer to that, but there's probably uh, a few different approaches you could take. But I think that they all have something to do with something to do with like, you just got to like recognize you're here to have a bunch of experiences. And part of that is setting yourself up so you can have those experiences and experience them as much as you possibly can. And that's where us doing this 80%. So we have health. Like if you have no health, right? It's really hard to have a strong mind, clarity of thoughts and connect with other people if you're in pain. That's really why this health thing matters so, so much. And everyone knows this. If you have, you know, if you have one little bubble of poison ivy in one spot of your body that's so itchy, it's like it can consume you. Or like a paper cut, a hangnail, or, you know, a a, a, a nail gets ripped off, a splinter that's getting it. This tiny little things that cause the tiniest little amount of pain or discomfort, it's really distracting. Yeah. Really distracting. That's on a really low level. Now imagine you are you have high levels of pain, suffering, whatever physically. It takes actually it takes a level of enlightenment to override that. I don't think enlightenment is going to be achievable for most of us in this lifetime. So let's do the other thing, which is let's do the 80% of our this routine dialed in so we can mitigate that physical pain as much as possible. That's what these routines are put in place for. If we do that, then we get to live lives with experiences. And those experiences are way more meaningful when they do them with other people. That's just yes. the way it is. And I was thinking about this the other day because I haven't been, I used to be kind of big into um, windsurfing and I got a little bit into kite surfing. And I haven't done it in about, uh, I don't know. 15, 20 years. And just a couple of days ago, a guy invited me to go out and do it. And I just, I know that he does it all the time by himself. I was like, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me. It's like, even something like that, like as much of a high in a flow state as that provides. And I know this through skiing. Like when I, I've been in epic, amazing powder days, the thing that skiers dream of by myself. And it's kind of a hollow experience. Mm. I need that. I need you want that like cool feeling, but it's kind of like, I, I, it's almost like doing drugs. Like it's like, that's, it's lonely. At the end of the day, it's actually lonely. What you want is those amazing experience with other people. And that's why we're trying to fill our cups as much as possible so we can have these cool, amazing experience with others. Even if it means sometimes the sacrifice of the routines and the habits. To pull it back to a specific, there are times um, and it's not all the time that I'll go out to dinner with my wife and I know how much it means to her when we share a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of times that I'm not interested in having a glass of wine. Last night we went out to dinner and I didn't, but there are a number of other times that I know that it's really meaningful to her. And we, it's one of those things that we're having a shared experience. So even though I don't want it, I'll have it. Even though it's not part of my routine in my health practice, it's a way for us to have a shared experience that's meaningful to her. It's kind of the same type of thing we talked about. It's like sitting down and playing a video game with your kids is not necessarily a waste of time. Yeah. You're connecting with them on their 
passions, their values, their interests. That is a really, it's not all about, I'm not playing that video game because I don't believe in video games. I'm going to go out and do a set of 50 push-ups. Like that's, that's not what this thing is we call life is about. It's about big part of what we say, connecting the five factors. This is part of it. And it can't just be always on your terms, on your timeline. You can get what you want, but you can't get it all the time and you can't get it on your timeline. It's one of the big things I've learned in business as well. We are going to end up where we want to end up in terms of the business that I'm trying to create. It's not going to happen when I want it to happen. (laughs) And it's not going to be the steps I want to take to get there. We will get there. Or we will get, and this is the... This is exactly what you're talking about with the infinite game. I don't need to be winning all the time and by what scorecard. And I don't understand and I never will and no human being will all of the necessary steps or all of the adversity we're going to face in terms of getting there. But we're going to get there for sure. It's going to happen. It's just we have to we have to be patient with the process and understand that we It's not always going to be about the discipline of the process because when you do that, you actually lose what we are determining as an excellent life. Now you're just, now you're just a slave to this other thing. It's what we're talking about in terms of the, 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 the spiritual ego. It's I'm going to go to the gym six days a week and do an hour and a half of this CrossFit thing because it's, I'm, it's feeding your ego, not for the bigger thing of serving the bigger thing. When is enough enough? And you see this all the time. Is like people go like, how are these athletes that are making $18 million hold a year holding out this season because they want $24 million? When is enough enough? But yet the people that are having this conversation are making $80,000 a year. That is enough. Like that is enough. It's just that they're keeping up with the Joneses around them and you're keeping up with the Joneses around you. Somebody that is living in a hut in the desert made of mud that makes $6 a month is going, if I had $80,000, it's like, that's insane. Why would anybody try to get to $100,000? That is crazy. It's like, we have to, this is again, the earlier conversation of pop up out of the programming and realize what it is that we ultimately want to be chasing and have that self-awareness that it's not the program. It's not following the process that is the goal. The goal is the higher thing than that. Then we dictate the process that's going to get us to that thing. Excellence is no more than determining where you want to be with no biases, no pre-programming, nothing coming from your peer, society, your parents. You, this is where stillness knowledge practice comes from. Where do you want to be? You figure it out. In 10 years on your deathbed, I think deathbed is better because 10 years you're going to sacrifice for it, something else. On your deathbed, where is the thing you want to be? Then break down the necessary steps in order to get there. It's just a met and then excellence is nothing more than following those steps. Knowing the steps aren't going to be perfect. The steps are going to crumble along the way and you might end up on a different staircase, but that's the goal. That's part of the process. The process is not a bricked you know, it's on a paved road that you go down from here to there that you determine when you're 20 years old and you don't change when you're 40. To not change when you're 40 is crazy. You have so much more data points. You've lived an entire second life from you did from when you were 20 to 40. If you not to go like, actually, this is the thing I want to be chasing. I thought I wanted to make a quarter million dollars a year and drive a Porsche. Actually, what I want to do is have the freedom to be able to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to move to Hawaii and surf every day until 10 a.m. And then I'm going to, whatever it is. That to me is a really important factor. What we're talking about, we say chasing excellence and we bring into the five factors because remember what we're creating the, this is the way you intro the show every single time. We're creating the strategies and frameworks to chase what truly matters. What truly matters is not five to six days a week of CrossFit and sleeping seven hours eating unprocessed foods. What truly matters is having 
shared life experiences. You and I are going to be back in just a couple minutes with our cool down. We're going to take a look at some of your favorite CrossFit Games events. So stay tuned. This week's episode is brought to us with support from Shopify. Head to shopify.com slash excellence for a $1 per month trial and start building your online empire. If you're a business owner, you know how important it is to have the right tools to succeed. That's why we are excited to tell you about Shopify, the commerce platform that's revolutionizing businesses worldwide. Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So no matter what you're selling, whether you are in person or online only, Shopify's platform has you covered. The timing of this is wonderful over on the comp train side of things. We are actually very much in the middle of redesigning the comp train online store. We are upgrading. We are actually on Shopify there. We are upgrading that Shopify site. I am thankfully not doing it. We've got talented designers and other folks building the site. I'm so excited to see it. Why is that? Because Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn browsers to buyers. Plus Shopify's award-winning help will get you the support you need to succeed every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash excellence, all lowercase, to take your business to the next level today. Again, that's shopify.com slash excellence. All right, we are back. We are going to do a cool down here uh, in celebration of this year's games, in celebration, Ben, of your last as an individual coach. I thought it'd be fun to go through, uh, you posted this recently on uh, Instagram, your favorite CrossFit games events. So we're going to do your top five. And starting with the final one, two, three in 2010. Uh, okay, so this is uh, early on. This is the first year at the StubHub Center uh, yeah. in Carson, California. Really, I mean, this was like really awesome. It just spoke to what CrossFit was all about. They took the athletes and put them in an isolation chamber. No phones, no communication, no noise coming in or out. Walked them onto the floor. <laughs> this is so cool. And just the, there's... Two things, the format, but then actually the test was super cool. Yep. So they go, the workout is three rounds for time of burp, of push-ups, rope climb over the wall, which was like a 25-foot wall. It was so cool. Push-ups, climb over the wall, and then they did overhead squats on the other side, and then climb back over the wall. Mm-hmm. And as they finished the explanation, Dave Castro was on the, uh, on the, meg- on the microphone on the floor, as he says, um, and then finishing with overhead squats. Three, two, one, go. And half the athletes are just standing there, like talking to their judge. And then the, the other half start doing pushups. Yeah. And they're like, what? Huh? What's <laughs> going? Oh, oh, we, we're start. Oh my God. And they just like, they start doing it. And they finish the workout and they're all like laying on the floor, like especially everybody did back then. And he goes, your next workout is... 20 toes of bar and 20 cleans. Three, two, one. And they're like, oh my God. And they kind of caught on now and they're doing this. And your next workout is burpees over the wall and rope climbs. And it's like, oh my God. It's super, like amazing. Like I love, talk about unknown, unknowable, but it's also the first, like they're doing three workouts in one. Amazing, amazing test. To cap it off, it's also the year Rich Froning was in first place and they couldn't climb the ropes. Yep. It's actually the event that made Rich Froning Rich Froning because he was like understood what it took to be a champion and, um, you know, awesome event, just amazing. I just remember how hot it was on the floor. And yeah, knowing that the the athletes doing hand release push ups, part of the challenge was just like just being on the hot like black. So they floor. found they, after the first round, everyone burnt hands. So then they yeah. found a tiny little sliver of, of shade, shade right? behind yeah. the wall. So by the end, they were all doing push-ups in this like little eight-inch eight, eight section. Uh, okay, next one. Hill Sprint 9.3 in 2009. Okay, so this was- uh, was a re- Yep, so uh, a couple of things about this one. Uh, this was my first CrossFit Games. This was like the, f- I would say kind of like the first real CrossFit yeah. Games in a way. Agreed. Yep, I would, uh, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it was just this epic test where the simplicity was amazing. They had heats of about eight athletes 
Um, three, two, one, go. They grab a sandbag, throw it over their shoulder, and sprint about 250 meters up this incredibly brutal steep hill. Um, a lot of athletes say it's it, you know it only took 20 something seconds, um, maybe 30, and it was uh, so detrimental that people had to be like carried back down the hill. But the coolest part was there was there were there wasn't a course. It was here's the starting line, here's the finish line, and the course was actually made by the fans just kind of lining up. So, and there was no caution tape. There was no barricades. It was just like Tour de France style yeah. where anyone seen the mountain stage of the Tour de France where like the seas kind of part to allow the athletes to come through. It was amazing. Super epic. First CrossFit Games for me. My wife was in that event. Um, I proposed to my wife um, after the CrossFit, right after that CrossFit game. So, a lot of sentimental value for me as well. My my biggest memory of that workout is that afterwards, because uh, I was there filming, Hobart, James Hobart came up to me and told me he got cut because that was there was like a cut after that event. And I was like heartbroken because he and I were good friends at that point. And so I was just I was just really sad. But that but the, the event was awesome. But that's what I think about with that event. Uh next one, Chaos from 2018. Okay, another one of these unknowns. I love this aspect of our sport. Clearly. Like it's just yeah. I just love this like um deal with it, you know. Can you adapt on the fly? So this one was a little bit different and cool that they made this one different. But this is also on a much cleaner, really cool stage um, in Madison. It's on the, the the turf field that they construct. And this time, they come out there and they say, th- there's a skier in front of them. And they tell them, you're going to start with a ski. And that's all you know. And they go, three, two, one, go. And the athletes just start skiing. And they don't even know when they're... They don't know if they're going to ski for 10 seconds or 10 minutes or they don't. But as they get to 33 calories-ish, they go, done, move to the next, and just moved up across the field. And now they go, and we got to the next station, they go, burpee, and they start doing burpees to a target. And they judge doing burpees. They don't even know how long they're going to be doing burpees for, which is, <laughs> for most people, that's the biggest nightmare that ever existed. <laughs> yep. And then when they get done to a certain number of burpees, they're like, done, move forward. And they move forward and they do these, um, pistols and then they don't know how many and they go done and they move forward and they go to the 40 inch box jumps and so there's so many cool things about this is you didn't know how long you're going to be out there you didn't know how long you'd be at each movement you didn't know how to pace it you didn't need to go like hard which is real life right like there's a lot of things in real life that you get into that you have no idea like the house is on fire right you have no idea whether you're going to be able to like get the things you need out of that house in one trip or you in the one trip, you have to go back for a second trip and you don't know how hard that trip's going to be or how long it's going to be or, you know, Forrest Gump going back to find Bubba in the forest. He doesn't know if he's going to take one trip, two trips. He has no idea. Like, this is real life. Like, mm-hmm. go and do this thing. Um, So, I, I love that aspect to it. Um, Katrin won that event, which was also super cool because we do so much of that preparation for the unknown. Uh, but it's also a really well-balanced test. That's one of the things, like if it wasn't unknown, it was just the test, it still would be one of my favorites because it was such a worthy test. Next one is the Capital from 2022. It's kind of crazy that this isn't my favorite event, but uh, this was just last year. Yeah. And it's really cool. It's just like, it was really cool. So what the event was, was they flipped a huge... They call it the pig. It's this 500-pound refrigerator down a football field. When they get to the end of that, they ran uh, three miles to the um, to this the capital of Madison, literally the capital building. Did these strongman carries, both farmer carries, and then they ended up with these huge. They call them a Husafel bag. This huge bag that they had to carry up the steps of the stairs. Well. I love offsite events. Like it's, yep. it's so cool when they don't confine themselves to the framework of the venue. So that brings this unknown aspect. But this was also just include the quality of the test as well. These are my favorite kind of tests, which I call accordion. Because what happens is the field gets stretched out during the, the really strong man pig flip, right? Where the big athletes get a lead. You know, Amanda Barnhart was first off for the women by a long shot. She's a, one of the bigger athletes there. And then 
the smaller athletes are the last to leave. But then across a three plus mile run, the smaller athletes catch and actually have enough time to pass the bigger athletes. So now the field shrinks again to be a really tight field, but then it stretches because the smaller athletes are now ahead. How cool is this? But that ends with a strongman thing again so that the big strong athletes have a chance to pass again. This to me is like if I had my, if I was programming the games, we started talking about this earlier. Yep. This is what I would do. I would I would create events like this because they're the most exciting. Way more, way, how said, way more better. Uh, so much more interesting than, you know, person gets the lead and then we're just watching appeal exercise and how much are they going to win by towards the end. Yep. This is to me the way that it's a balanced test. And you should do it differently. The next one is you do it the opposite. Like small athletes take the lead, big athletes test in the middle, and then there's a chance at the end. I think that this is how 80% of the tests should be formatted. Plus you have this idea of like going through the city capital and all these people have never seen this thing before. It was just like epic. It was iconic. It was huge. It was um, is what the sport deserves. It, it was a spectacle. Last one we got. Get on a plane, day one, 2016. Okay, I'm cheating on this one because it's not a singular event, but yeah. it's like this was the best thing the CrossFit Games ever did. 2016, they're at the athlete dinner where they always announce, not always, they usually announce a couple workouts. This year, they instead of announcing it, at the athlete dinner, they go, the first day of the CrossFit Games, and everyone's like, oh, here it comes. Like Dave's up there. Will starts at 3 a.m. in the hotel lobby. Be there with a change of clothes and your ID. Have a good night. And he walked off the stage. And the chaos that like rippled through the venue was awesome. 3 a.m., the athletes show up, no coaches allowed, and they're put on a bus. Still have no idea what's happening. That bus takes them to LAX, Los Angeles airport. They're like, oh my God, we're getting on a plane. Amazing. That plane takes them to Northern California to the home of the original venue of the CrossFit Games. They do three tests. First one being really epic and amazing. 7K trail run, uh, super, super hard with a max effort deadlift. And then another, um, I think it was uh, another hill sprint on top of that. Yeah, it yep. was. Uh, GH, they, they, re, they replicated the they hill sprint it. again. Yeah. It's a little bit different with wall balls and GHDs to, start so and a crazy amazing first day they then get back on a plane and when they're at the aromas there's no fans there's no music there's no coaches so deal with it i love the deal with it i think that we should be testing the mental fortitude as much as anything else if truly the unknown and the unknowable like there, there's a reason it's un it's because it's hard to deal with mentally but then i think it's not even like kind of like the asterisk next to that whole thing is the flight back was delayed which caused even more internal chaos for the athletes and more things to deal with they didn't get home until midnight and then they had to be out on the beach at 7 a.m so to be at the beach at 7 a.m these athletes need to get up at five so now they're starting the whole kickoff to the entire week of the crossfit games with three really hard events a plane ride to this unknown destination a delayed flight and five in less than five hours of sleep because by the time they get home they still need to fuel they have to eat, so they're not getting to bed till one o'clock. They could be up at five. Awesome. Amazing. To the point where athletes were like, we should boycott. It's like, what are you talking? This is what the whole thing's about. This is it. This is the thing. Imagine like Navy SEALs being like, that night was hard. We shouldn't go tomorrow. Like, <laughs> All right, that was fun. Let's see if this year we, uh, we get to add any to this list. Uh, we'll find out. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. If you want to get a question in the queue, as always, find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings, drop me a DM. We'll get it in to a future episode. Be sure you are subscribed or following wherever you are watching or listening to this so you don't miss another episode. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence.